You're listening to the Road to the Garden podcast, presented by House Enterprise and in partnership with House of College Hoops. Head over to our site, house-enterprise.com, for more info. We've teamed up with SeatGeek this season to get you the best deals for tickets to your favorite team. SeatGeek takes the confusion out of buying tickets, and they're here to give you some great deals. Get in on the fun and head over to SeatGeek, download their app, and use code NCAA Hoops Digest for $20 off your first purchase. Good evening, Big East fans. It's Matt St. Jean here with Chris Fadinga for a special uh, end of May episode. It's NBA Draft Decision Day. Chris, how you doing? Good. Um, a draft decision day that was relatively unscathed for the Big East. Um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm happy to be here. And yeah, thanks for having me on. Of course. Yeah, big uh, big day for Creighton. We're going to be talking about them. Uh, a big day for UConn here. And uh, a big day for Villanova as well for non-NBA draft reasons, which we're also going to have to be uh, be talking about here. Lots to go through. And uh, I, I think unscathed is the best way to say it. Like Things went as expected for the Big East today, I think, uh, with maybe one minor exception for Creighton. Um, which uh, if you're on Twitter, you saw a report <laughs> that had to be pulled back on uncertain Creighton players. So that added a little drama <laughs> to the day. I was shaking was my you, head, man. Kick rocks, your, really. I'm sorry. Trilly. I, I take it back <laughs> immediately. Yeah, Trilly, uh, Trilly Donovan, the noted anonymous Twitter account that knows all, did not know all in regards to Trey Alexander, who announced he'll be returning the Creighton Blue Jays next season, along with Ryan Kolkbrenner. They'll join Baylor Shireman, who's back, Stephen Ashworth, who's coming in, and a whole host of other guys we're going to get into here. Arthur Kaluma also announced that he will not be staying in the NBA draft, but it appears he's not staying at Creighton either. He is in the portal. I guess we'll start there. The assumption is that he is out of the picture here for Greg McDermott and the Blue Jays. Yep, yep. He will be gone. Um, it sounds like the front runners are Texas Tech. Uh, and Kentucky, Davion Mintz, um, if, if you're familiar with Creighton, that's a name that might pop out. He transferred from Creighton to Kentucky a, a few years ago. Um, Calipari and McDermott have a pretty good working relationship where in that situation, Mintz just wasn't really going to start for Creighton. Um, and he found a home at Kentucky where he played quite a bit. Uh, I could see, uh, yeah, I'll put my my stake in the sand and say I expect Kaluma to go to Kentucky. I think that could be a good fit, depending on uh, you know some last-minute decisions here for for Kentucky on draft day, and that's going to be the Oscar Shebueless Kentucky Wildcats, correct? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Shaking things up, but back back to the Blue Jays. This is a team that I mean, that just the the scoring that's going to be back because of Alexander and Kalkbrenner is phenomenal. Alexander averaged thirteen point six points per game last season, four point two rebounds, two point six assists, shot forty one percent from deep, and then in the paint, Kalk Brenner, two time Big East Defensive Player of the Year, back to back, trying to win it three times in a row now, averaged fifteen point nine points, six point one rebounds, two point one blocks last season. Can you talk about what it means to have this duo back in the blue and white? Well, it's huge. Um, Kalkbrenner, I, I saw this today, and I thought this was a pretty good way to frame it. Uh, Kalkbrenner's the floor raiser 
right? Like with a defensive presence like Ryan Kalkbrenner, you are not going to be bad. And I think him coming back made their floor exponentially higher. Um, And then Alexander coming back raises the ceiling, right? Like I I genuinely think he will be, could be good enough to be a first team Big East type of guy next year. He has the skill set and the keys will kind of be given over to him next year. Uh, Ashworth will be running the point, but I expect Trey to be running that a fair amount as well. And then with Nemhard gone, like, a lot of the playmaking will come in Trey's hands. So uh, with both of those guys coming back, right, we'll be just fine. And I think the the floor is probably, I don't know. I mean, they'd take your guess, but fourth in the big East to me. Um, I think that's the very worst they could do with this roster. Uh, I think this the off season as a whole, Matt has to be viewed positively for the blue Jays. Yeah. Oh, 100%. And I mean, you lose, it's crazy to say that when you're losing Ryan Nemhart and Arthur yeah. Kaluma, but you still you keep three of your big five and Stephen Ashworth. I love his fit, I, and I love Ryan Nemhard. But in some ways, I think he might actually be a better fit for what Greg McDermott likes to do and the way the offense is going to work out there. I like the way his skill set complements Trey Alexander's, and you can't you can't beat the three point shooting of Alexander Shireman and Ashworth out there. That's going to be the one of the best shooting trios in the country next year. Shoot, and add Farabello in the mix. He shot over 40% at TCU two years ago. Uh, I expect his numbers to tick up as he gets a little bit more playing time this year as well. So the issue for Creighton last year was depth. Do you think they're better on that front? Because we've seen them work the transfer portal a little bit. You're going to get Mason Miller with a little bit more development. Isaac, is it Trout? Yeah, Trout. Trout coming in from Virginia. He was a four-star uh, they're they're having some guys come in. Do you think it's enough? Yeah, you know it's it's kind of an interested interesting and loaded question because last year, um, if you read the receipts on what I was saying about Creighton coming into the year, I said one of their strengths was the depth. Right, I was really excited about Sharif Mitchell in year three and Farabello coming in, Mason Miller in year two, or well year one in a red shirt. But um, I thought the depth would have been just just fine last year, and it wasn't. And I think part of that is they didn't really play the bench pieces enough to get any true runtime, right? If you're playing three minutes a game, it's hard to get a flow, especially for guys with less experience. Um, so I think part of it is it, I think Greg will play it a little bit different this year and maybe get those guys a little bit more experience early in this, in the season. Um, but I think the the bench overall is more talented. You add Jonathan Lawson as well. We hadn't talked about him. I was talking to one of our colleagues here, Michael DeRosa um, about Lawson earlier today and he's, I mean, he played a really big role for, for, for a Memphis team that was pretty dang good. Um, and he shoots 40% from three. Uh, I think he's a good piece off the bench as well. And yeah, I think they will be just fine in the, in the bench department. Yeah. And you're betting between Lawson, Miller and Trout, all these guys were four stars at one point. I think you're basically betting that you can get a little bit of that four star play out of one of them and competent backup play out of one of the other two. And if you do that, you're going to be all right. You also got Frederick King in the mix here, who should be a backup. And he's a, he was a really solid player last season. Another year of development should help him out. And I mean, I like the depth. I like what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Fred King in his limited run as a starter when Kalkbrenner was gone, man, he was super good. Uh, and then down the stretch, he kind of struggled a little bit more, but. Um, with more with more runtime next year, I think he could be a, a really solid backup to one of the best bigs in the country. And that's hopefully 
all he's going to be asked to be next season with Carpenter back in the mix. Final question on the Blue Jays. How high is the ceiling? Shoot. First, right? First in the Big East. And, and I think the Big East is slating uh, to be the best conference in the country, in my humble opinion. So uh, I think Creighton could be right there with the best of the best. Uh, top 10 is, is certainly not out of the question. Top five, maybe. Sure. If things all pan out why, right, why not? What do you think? Well, Oh, I, I don't disagree. I think the ceiling can be way up there. I think the issue is this team could finish third in the Big East and like fifth in the country, depending on how things break. One of the other teams formulating into that mix, you talked about best of the best. So UConn Huskies, they're getting one of their playmakers back for next season, Tristan Newton. They're losing one in Andre Jackson. Those two guys led the team in assists, I think 4.7 per game from each of them. Adama Snogo, I think we knew he was gone, but confirmed that again today so he is out the youth movement starting to take over for the huskies there with this this really strong recruiting class coming in but you have tristan newton there to kind of be the steady hand do you think that's enough for uconn's playmaking next year uh it certainly helps right um i know we were me you and tommy godin were talking recently about like genuinely who's going to carry the basketball for UConn if Newton and Jackson leave um, Stefan castle, like is, is he even a point guard? No. Um, but yeah, so it, having Newton back certainly helps and, and you're so talented across the rest of the court that it probably is just fine and, and serviceable. We had similar concerns last year uh, when, when Newton wasn't playing awesome at the beginning of the year or in, in that slog after the beginning of the year where UConn lost, I think it was like four of seven or whatever it was. Um, we were like, man, they just don't have the playmaking. And then they won the national championship. So I think they'll be just fine. And, and Newton has proved himself to be a, you know, a big East point guard. Yeah, he was, he was excellent for them last year. He was their leader in assists. Uh, you got Hassan Diara. He's still in the mix there. And sure. he was, I mean, he was a fine kind of secondary or not even say he's your, your first guy off the bench who was a, a good, facilitator for you and I think he can be in that role yet again you're going to be asking a lot from the freshman here but that's always been the plan for the 23-24 Huskies they just got there I think a little bit ahead of schedule this past season um, I tend to think they're going to be all right Newton Mr. Triple Double a guy who really stepped up his game in the NCAA tournament too um, I'm not sure I mean it's you lose Snogo, Andre Jackson, Jordan Hawkins. Like, that's a really tough trio to lose. And that's, I think, the big question here for the Huskies next season. Can they recapture the magic? Can you actually have freshmen that come in and live up to what these guys are leaving? It's, it's an open question, but do you think these guys are able to do it? Oh, the bar set quite high, right? <laughs> the highest in the sport. Um, I don't think they're going to win a national championship and I don't think they're going to win a big East championship, but they're going to be a very, very good basketball team. I will ask you this because I do think that um, in large part, UConn's success is dependent on this question. Um, there are four and five pieces. So Klingon and Caravan, where do you have that down low tandem in re relative to the rest of the big East? It's got to be one of the best in the conference. But right? I think it has to be the best. I think for them to reach the highs that they want, it has to be the best. Yeah. I, I think I like it more than what Marquette has to offer just because if we're talking about draft decisions, Omax Prosper, he's gone from the Golden Eagles. He'll be he'll, he'll be leaving. And 
Uh, David Joplin was sixth man of the year last year. He's really good. He's I think Alex Caravan's better. Klingon, I think, is probably going to be better than Igadaro. Very different games. Very hard to match them up against one another. Uh, I look at Providence because of Bryce Hopkins. Hopkins will probably have the edge on Caravan, although Caravan did a very good job defending him last year. Klingon is going to be better than Oduro. That's, I think, an easy one. Oduro's um, going to be good, though. Let's, um, yeah. That's a, that's a, yeah. And then you look at Creighton. I think Kalkbrenner maybe has the edge on Klingon. Uh, just I'll give it to him for experience. But the four, I think, for the Blue Jays is the open spot right now. Unless Is that going to be Shireman? No, uh, it'll be Trout initially unless, you know, the things don't pan out with him. But, um, yeah, I expect Shireman to solidly play the three all year. Okay. And if that's the case, then I think UConn probably has the edge overall for the four and five combined. And uh, who else am I miss? Oh, Villanova, which I know we're going to have to talk about here with the big addition they made. Let's segue this to Villanova right now because they added Tyler Burton from Richmond. I think he's probably going to play the four for them next year. That's what he's played for, the Spiders. Eric Dixon, one of the better centers in the league. Yep. They might have the best argument here for a four or five duo next to the Huskies. Yeah, man. Burton is not going to be, you know, I think some people might sleep on him just because the A-10 last year was a little bit down and Richmond wasn't super awesome, but man, he's a, he's a playmaker at the four. Uh, I, I think he might be the best playmaker um, in terms of shot creation as well as athleticism at the four outside of Bryce Hopkins. Yeah, he's really good. And he was a key part of that uh, Richmond team that knocked off Iowa that remember a couple years ago, everybody thought mm-hmm. Iowa was the hottest team coming into the NCAA tournament, and the Spiders uh, caught them in their web right there and stopped it before. Uh, what happened to Richmond in the next round? Do you remember, Chris? <laughs> <laughs> I remember, man, I, I, I took Richmond in my bracket out of spite just because everybody was picking Iowa to beat Providence, and I was like, fuck all of you, it's not going to happen. <laughs> um, so I didn't even really know much about R- Richmond at that time, but uh, it worked out. Yeah, and then the Friars uh, soundly defeated them up in Buffalo to get to the Sweet 16. But yeah, Tyler Burton also got Providence connections. His dad, Quentin Burton, played for the Friars back in the 90s. So coming back to his roots in the Big East, and uh, this is a Wildcat team that should be able to fly with all the wings that Kyle Neptune has added. What do you think of the roster construction there? Uh, I think it's super unique. <laughs> I don't really know how to how to phrase it correctly. Um, they're super switchable and their defense will be so fun to watch, but I don't know. Um, outside of Dixon, they don't really have a true, true big. That's really good. Um, and the, the ball handling abilities are still, we'll see. Uh, we'll see what happens. Um, I don't know though. They're very talented and I think they could, they should, it's a roster that should compete among the top three in the biggies. Yeah. So just to, to set it here, you got Justin Moore and Mark Armstrong in that backcourt, Eric Dixon and Lance Ware as your centers, and then Hakeem Hart, Tyler Burton, TJ Bamba, and Jordan Longino. I think we're, we call Longino a wing here, wing or guard, however you want to say it. But uh, a lot of guys who can fill that role, and you're going to have really good players at the six and the seven for the cats next year. And I think that's uh, oh, this is a departure, big departure from the style of Jay Wright adding a whole bunch of transfers. I think this is a team that should play deeper. They used to play lots of short benches with Jay Wright. You'd only play seven guys and I think they can go deeper next year. It's uh, yeah. 
And they got a they added a GM there for their basketball operations, which I I had previously said that that was the first GM in the Big East for basketball. I'm wrong. DePaul added a GM before last season. So I'm going to give credit to the Blue Demons there. Second GM in the Big East. That award goes to Villanova. It's a, They turned over a new leaf here in Ari. Yeah. Um, I will say, Matt, with uh, we just talked about it off air recently, but uh, you know with, with Providence how hard it is at times to keep – you know, your seven man that is an experienced player that used to be a starter at another team, which will probably happen looking at their roster um, to keep him content and bought into the role that he's playing. Um, I think that might be the biggest job for, for Kyle Neptune in year two is just maintaining, you know, ever keeping everybody on board for, for the, the, the goal for Villanova as a whole and not just for each player. Um, so we'll yeah. see how it turns out. Yeah. Cause you're going to have good players playing limited minutes next year. And that, so, so much of just being a college basketball coach in general is kind of ego management. It's just like guys who think I'm going to the NBA next year, we're playing 15 minutes a game for you because the guy in front of them is also very, very good. Yeah. It's that type of thing, uh, which, you know, I mean, you look at Mark Armstrong and Justin Moore, they are two very, very good players and you, you got to get them both on the floor. But getting them both on the floor means you got to take, you know, Akeem Hart off or TJ Bamba off or um, – Tyler Burton, they, one of those guys has to come off the floor, and that's uh, it's a tough ask. So they got depth. I'm very curious to see how the pieces come together because I like the defense, like you said, but it's interesting. They have so much defense in the middle and no rim protection whatsoever. So those guys are going to have to be good. Well, I thought Dixon did a fine job in rim protection last year. They weren't great, but they certainly weren't the worst in the Big East. Um, no, I think it's serviceable. I think they're, they would be they would yeah. be just fine in that department. It won't be their strength, but. Burton helps out a little bit too, just because he's so athletic. Yeah, that's yeah, that's true. That's very true. And you mentioned Providence, the specific connection there. You go back to the the twenty one twenty two Friars with uh, Justin Manaya and Jared Bynum kind of swapping off for offense defense. And Ed Cooley had a talk with Manaya before the season, basically saying, "Hey, like even though he ended up starting for the most of the year, it was hey, you're going to be our sixth man here. You're going to be our defensive specialist." We know you're a veteran. We know you're experienced. We know you want a lot of minutes. You're going to have to buy into this role to get those minutes. And Neptune's going to have to have a couple of those conversations in the coming months, I think. For sure. Yeah. And Longino could be that. He's a defensive asset there. Mm-hmm. I like, I'm excited to see what he looks like in that group because I think he could be a real X factor in the limited minutes he plays that can kind of set you apart from some of these other teams because you're playing against a team like Creighton. And those couple extra depth guys can be the difference maker. Absolutely. We saw it. Uh, yeah, we saw it towards the end of the Big East season and then in the NCAA tournament against SDSU. Wear them out, man. That's how you beat them. Yeah. Um, I know we're we're going to go through Bart Torvik. His website has projections right now, just kind of general roster projections based on who's there. I think they're all up to date. I haven't gone through them individually, which we're going to run through. Before we do that, though, I see Jerome Hunter fan club in the chat and we did miss. There was Xavier news today. We were talking mostly about the um, uh, the NBA draft stuff and decisions and all of that. So I hadn't mentioned it in the rundown at the top, but I will give a shout out here to Sean Miller. He landed a four star for next year. Jonathan Powell coming in, big get for the Musketeers, and they've they've Sean Miller's done a nice little job recruiting over there for this incoming class with a couple four stars in it, and next year adding guys now and. 
yeah, the the new generation of musketeers there under Sean Miller. It's growing. Yeah, man. Um, his roster construction in the two years he's been at Xavier has been so good. Um, I'm I'm very excited to see how Xavier looks on the court next year. Yeah. Now that's another one I'm excited for. We'll, we'll get to them here in the rankings. How do you want to do this? Do you want me to go top to bottom, bottom to top? Do you just want to call out teams and I'll tell you where they are? Let's do this. Give me the number. Let's start at the bottom and give me the 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 rank, and I'll try to tell you what team. I haven't looked at Bartor okay. this year, guys. I all promise. Right. And all right. And to be uh, again to set this up, this is Bartorvik's current. This is ten fifty two p.m. Eastern on May thirty first. This is <laughs> this is the info we're dealing with. Their current projections for next season. Uh, I did. He said this on Twitter. Like he has. Last season, he manually changed Zach Eady's rankings because it was telling him Eady was going to be so good that he didn't believe it was possible. And he put up for Eady's projections for next year. Now that he's coming back, he's like, no, I'm not. I'm not doing any manual changes there. That's It's projecting like 21 points, 12 rebounds or something crazy like that. So, yeah, and Xavier will get to see Zach Eady in the uh, Gavit Games week two. So that'll be fun. All right. Coming up the rear of the Big East, we got a team projected at 143 in the country well that's gotta be depaul has to be it's Um, not (laughs) no georgetown yeah it's georgetown which uh i think i thought that was very interesting because there's been a lot of a lot of change there but bartorvik is not as optimistic as some are about where the hoyas are i kind of just because it's ed cooley expected the hoyas to come out somewhere near the top of the big east teams that don't make the tournament uh they don't agree (laughs) yeah um, I think a couple of their players, a cook, a cook is one that I think is being massively underrated by all of the analytical measures. Uh, he's really, really good under the right coach. And I think he'll get back to that form um, next year. Yeah. I like him. He's just had issues staying healthy. Uh, yeah. If he's on the floor, that's a very different team. Speaking of a cook, they added a Supreme cook to the roster today. So that's a big ad for Cooley. Somebody who, Cooley actually knows because Providence plays Fairfield fairly regularly in the non-conference. So the, Ed Cooley's had to game plan against Supreme Cook a couple times in the past couple of years. I'm not sure how his game is going to translate to the Big East level if they're expecting him to start. We'll see how that looks. Uh, but yes, yeah, so Georgetown ends up pulling up the rear here. Has Jay Heath projected as the leading scorer for the Hoyas next year. Next up, 132. I think you're going to get this one. There's the Paul. There we are. Yeah. We made it. Yeah, that's the Blue Demons, which is unfortunately fair, I think. I, I don't – it's offseason. <sighs> they just didn't do – they just didn't do anything, really. Um, anything yeah. of note, right? Jeremiah Odin is probably their best uh, ad, in my opinion, and he barely cracked, cracked the lineup in a Wyoming team in shambles. Um, I, so we'll, Chico Carter from South Carolina. That's the okay. – that's guy like, the and they like him too, yeah. yeah. But even he is like, I don't, I don't think he's better than Devin Carter, a guy he played behind there for the Gamecocks, and feels like it, a lot of the guys on this team feel like power five backup, power six backups who transferred there looking for a starting role, and maybe you uh, you catch you catch letting in a bottle and get guys to to perform way better. Now they got a coach that believes in them. I think that's kind of the message there. But one thirty two feels fair. Yeah, uh, the one saving grace is hopefully Angenda is healthy. He's really, really good when he's healthy, too. Um, just having an interior presence. Bad? Last year, they didn't. He should be by the start of the yeah. year. Um, 
yeah, last year they just didn't have an interior presence for a lot of the year, and and having that will very much bolster um, yeah. their prospects. So you know, you think of him as a defensive asset, correct? Yeah, I was coming through. Unless I am reading this really incorrectly, I was coming through. I'm forgetting the name of the database now. Synergy. It's coming through the Synergy database the other day. And it had him ranked as one of the worst defensive players in the Big East when he played last season. That is surprising to me. Yeah, which I'm gonna I'm gonna have to dig into that a little bit more and see what I can pull from that. But I was shocked to see that, and it could just be an aberration because he only played part of the season. And they, like I think you know, you're asking a guy to jump in two thirds of the way through. It's not gonna be great when he's coming back from an injury. But uh, did not did not expect huh. to see that number. Yeah, limited sample size, and then I think towards the end of the year, um, the wheels were pretty much off the wagon there. Uh, yeah. the, the effort at, at for DePaul was a little bit wavering. Um, that certainly is probably part of it. And ask uh, ask Seton Hall fans how good his defense is. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, next up, 93. So we've cracked the top 100 now. The rest are going to be in that in that group. Well, that's got to be Mr. DeRosa and his Bulldogs, <laughs> Butler. Yes, it is. That is the Butler Bulldogs there. 93rd, 112 for offense, 100 for defense. So a, ni- a nice balanced look there for the Bulldogs. Got Posh Alexander and DJ Davis as the top scorers. Jamal Telfort. I like the Telfort edition. I'm just, I sure. questions about Big East size, but I, I think he can score for them. Yeah, what do you think of Posh uh, in this in this fit here? I know there was a lot of questions and a lot of speculation about how it's going to look with him. Um, yeah, I'm curious your take. For a team that needed shooting, um, I don't think he answers that. But this is a team that has typically won with defense, and he helps that a ton. And, uh, yeah, I mean, people forget that we are – less than a year removed from him being preseason first team. He's a guy with a ton of talent. And I think when you look at what happened at St. John's last year, it's hard to blame any individual players for why it didn't work, the coaching situation. So the better coach, I think Posh Alexander, could realize that talent and be that kind of guy. I'm just – I'm not sure how high the ceiling is because they need to see the shooting happen before I'm going to believe he can be a true offensive weapon. Yeah, that's the thing, right? I, I think uh, I agree with you where Posh, in the right system, he can be a very effective player because he brings certain things to the table that are genuinely super attractive. But he's yeah. not an A-tier scorer. That's just not who he is. And if no. Butler expects him to be that and looking at the roster, they're going to kind of need him to be that. Um, I just don't see it working out super well. Yeah, it's going to be tough. Um and you got like Pierre Brooks. I'm very curious to see how he ends up working out for them. I like Jalen Thomas. DJ okay. Davis also, like, he comes in with a scoring pedigree, which is good. But, like, I don't know. It's yeah. like there's a lot of guys here who may have already hit their potential coming from a smaller league for one season. And um, it's good for culture. But if Butler's building, and this isn't the year, the year is probably the year after where you start to see things go in the right direction. And, that makes sense with how late in the cycle Thad Mata got hired last year. This is essentially the first time he's gotten to hit the portal and get his guys. Mm-hmm. We'll see. Yeah. So that's where that's where Butler stands. Now we're getting spicy. 
72 is the next one. I'll help you out. This team is projected 46th on offense, 114th on defense. Man, okay. Because I have a feeling, I think I know what team you thought it was when yeah, I said 72, I, and I think that just went totally <laughs> out the window when I gave you the offense defense. Then it's so it's not going to be the team that I initially thought. But Bart Torvik is wrong for this. <laughs> uh, it's going to be St. John's. Yes, it is. And that is abhorrent, Matt. <laughs> abhorrent. They have Jordan Dingle, who very well might be a, a top four player in the Big East next year. Yep. Ugh. And it's that defense. Like you, like, Rick Patino's teams just play defense, man. Like they always play yeah. defense. There's no way. So, like, you could, St. John's will, will be a top 100 defense in efficiency next season. Top, I would, I would bet that's, anyone that's now minimal. Top 60. top sixty, yeah, it's probably, and I'd probably top fifty. Like mm-hmm. that's where it's like they should hit that. Still have some questions about the offense, but like you know, Dingle and Soriano alone is like with with a well coached defense. That's alone to get you into the tournament, and that's sure. you, this should be a top fifty team in my eyes. I was shocked to see them that level. Dingle, Soriano, and Dennis Jenkins make a one through three punch that is serviceable enough that they should absolutely 1000% be top six in the big East. And then yeah, clinch a birth to the NCAA tournament. Yeah. By what? 10 or 11 wins in the big East do well yeah. in the non-conference. I, I got to actually pull up with the non-conference schedules looking like right now for the red storm, that game against Michigan. I'm so excited for that's going to be entertaining. Yeah. yeah. It's just Rick at MSG. That alone is worth the price of admission. Against Jawan, man, be great. That's get your popcorn ready for that one. I'll be there too. I'm excited Ooh. for that. Yeah, you know, I was. I'm not going to miss that one, especially as I sit here with my my Michigan cup next to me. I'm a Michigan's my football. Don't don't worry, Big East fans. I don't I'm not cheating on you. Michigan's just for football, but uh, no, just my... for football. The sport they're the very best at. Yeah, yeah, for sure, man. I was born there. I'm a Tom Brady guy. <laughs> I gotta. No, Got a breath of Wolverines. <laughs> uh, but yeah. All right. So this is, uh, I can't wait to see the look in your eyes when I read this next one. We're up to, we're up to 53. No, that's <laughs> too high. Um, it'll be Seton Hall. Yes. It's that too is high. Seton Hall 53, uh, top 100, exactly 100 offense, 27th on defense is the projection. Yeah. Um, I kind of take issue to that. I'm curious your thoughts, but if you look at Seton Hall last year uh, and how they did defensively against really good competition, it was very poor. Um, yeah. And so I don't know how they're ranked that high defensively. Well, that's something I talked about last year. I was like, like, sure, this defense is good on paper. It doesn't win you games. Every single time there was a game they needed the defense to win for them. Not every single time because they won that UConn game. Every other time when a legit offense came to play Seton Hall, the defense had nothing. Um, and I know part of that's part of that's the offense too, and, and the way it sets you up. But like, I didn't think I th- I thought they were a defense that was really good at beating up on mid tier offenses. Yeah, that's what I, I mean. Saw. Give up eighty three against Creighton, eighty three against 91 Marquette, can- ninety one to yeah. Kansas, I believe. Yeah, ninety one to Kansas, seventy five to Creighton again, eighty two to Xavier, like. That's certainly not a top 25 defense, in my opinion. And they don't bring anyone in that's going to change that needle. Kadari Richmond is a super good defender, but 
I don't know. Um, nothing is super uh, inspiring to me. I like the Alamir Dawes, Delenda Dewusu, Kaderi Richmond guard trio, especially with like I think a Dewusu, Kaderi Richmond defensively. I like that, and like Alamir Dawes is not the best defensively, but it does play with intensity, and Shaheen Holloway is going to get that out of you. So like, I buy into a higher floor on Seton Hall than people expect, okay. because I think they're going to play with an intensity. And they're going to play with an energy and they have guys that buy in. So like they're one of those teams that's like, you're going to look up and you're like, how did they win eight games in the big East based on the roster? And they just have like a couple grinded out games there and the pull-off and upset. Like they'll beat one of the teams at the top in a way you don't expect, but. I so what is, I'm them. curious. So what's the floor? You said they have a, you think you, they have a higher floor than a lot of other people are saying. What's the floor for them? You think in the big East in terms of rank? Um, well, it's tough because it's probably if I eighth. Yeah. It's okay. less so where they finish in the conference. It's more so the way they do it and just the raw total of wins. Eighth of the big East can be eight wins some years in the conference and four, four wins some yeah. years. And they'll be closer to that top. I think they finish under 500 in conference play, but near the top end of that. And they're just going to be hanging around all year long. Now, I think I still have, I still have questions about front court play, and that's where like they won't be able to hang with Creighton or with Villanova or with UConn on that front, and probably not Marquette either. So maybe they don't snag a win against the top teams, and maybe I'm hyping myself up too much, but I don't know. Yeah, uh, Dre Davis is fine. Um, I don't know. Yeah, they, I agree. There's front court problems there that kind of need to be addressed. Yeah. They got a pair. They got Jaden Bediaco, who's 6'10", Elijah Hutchins' effort who's 6'11". So you're relying on those two guys to get it done for you. And you know what? I think if you watched any Shaheen Holloway press conference last year, you saw he was very willing to throw those guys under the bus Mm -hmm. um, for not playing effort for him. So I'll also give him benefit of the doubt here that if he finds guys who will give the effort he's looking for, even if they're not the best athletes, even if they're not the best players, it's just going to work better than it did last year, at least in some ways. Yeah. We'll see. So that's, I, I'm hoping. I'm hoping. It's even even close to the top fifty, though, that seems high. So you know what? Maybe maybe uh, Mr. Torvik knows something we don't. Never know. Um, yeah. He did have them below St. John's, which is a, a grievous fault in my opinion. But we'll see. All right, now we're getting into the top fifty. We're at forty nine here with what projects is a pretty balanced team. Um. Okay. Now, well, this is, now we're in tournament range. So who are you thinking here? Yeah, so we, I think we got six teams left, if I'm thinking in my head correctly. Yes. Um, man, I'm going to go with Providence here. Balanced team. Um, yeah, that seems like the right spot for Providence to lie, at least before the season. Yeah, that's kind of where I, I am. Uh, we talked in the last episode about what we thought Providence's ceiling would be. How, how high do you think they can get? fourth in the big east um you know flirting with top 25 in the country this is probably i think the ceiling for them um they're they're really they're going to be a good team and a tournament team no doubt in my opinion bryce hopkins yeah. is, is fantastic and oduro is is underrated i think by most national pundits um they're going to be good but i i don't see that next level to get them in that creighton marquette uconn area even villanova but um, yeah, I, I think tournament team is is the, the right slot for them. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, Kim English was on John Rothstein's show earlier this week, and he mentioned Bryce Hopkins going to be shooting a lot more threes this year. He was a pretty good shooter. He's a 36% shooter last year on limited volumes. I think if he becomes a guy who could be a true three-level scorer for the Friars next year, I think that that's what would be the X factor for this team cracking that top four plus development of some of those guards. We know Kim English wants to he basically wants the entire team to be three and D staunch yeah. defense, force a lot of turnovers, shoot a lot of threes. It's kind of what Mike Anderson was looking for, but with threes instead of twos in transition and more organization, a little bit less chaos which fits. Kim English played under Mike Anderson when he was uh, first playing college ball there. So it makes it if they get the three point shooting they're looking for, I think it's a team that can absolutely crack the top four. If they don't or they get some, but not all of the shooting they're looking for, I agree. And this seems like a team that'll be kind of just inside the bubble all year long. And I don't know, probably looking at a 10 to 7 seed in that range. Yeah. Um, especially, you know, if uh, some of the youngins pan out, if Garway Dwall is as good as some people think he will be. Um, yeah, maybe they sneak onto even the four or five line, but I still think just because the conference is so damn good next year, uh, I think that's still probably fourth or fifth in the Big East. Um, yeah, and that's where yeah. there's something like the Gavit games and the Big East Big 12 battle are going to be huge because if the conference can kind of stay its claim in those and get some big wins there, then if when you beat up on each other in conference play, it doesn't hurt you quite as much. If you look at the Big 12 last year, right. the top seven or eight of the Big East could be just like that. Yeah, people would uh, move up in uh, net rankings after a loss in the Big Ten, uh, Big Twelve last year. It was insane. I've never seen anything like it. Um, yeah, yeah. And you would assume that would lead to a national title, no? Yeah, naturally. Yeah. All right, we got. Uh, I'm going to give you one more here, and then we're going to switch to a different format. And this is number forty. I think you'll be able to get this one. Okay. Um, oh, I'm, I think I'm going to overthink it, but I'm. Uh, I'm going to sure try not to and say it's either Xavier or Villanova. Um, and I'm not 100% sure which way I'm going to go. I'm going to need an answer, Mr. Thedinga. Yeah. Xavier. Here. You are correct. Yes. Oh, you know, okay. So okay. Musketeers coming in here at 40, just ahead of the Friars, which – I think I think Xavier and Providence probably have somewhat similarly talented rosters and Sean Miller – gets the benefit of the doubt over Kim English, obviously, as a coach at this moment. So that that fits for me. Yeah. Um, they'll be fine. Uh, I don't see the super high ceiling. I don't know if Davion McKnight is a, you know, a Big East point guard or ball handler. Well, that's, that's what I said about Sule Boom last year, and I had to eat a lot of words on that one. So, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I better be careful. I don't want to be – yeah. Bullets and board material for Xavier. But, uh, yeah, Fremantle being back is going to be super fun, and Jerome Hunter is, is awesome. So, yeah, that'll be good. Yeah. Floors uh, is super high. They're not going to be bad. Yeah. yeah. That's how I feel about Xavier, Providence, and St. John's next year. I think all three should be pretty safely in the tournament. And I don't know if they get a win in the tournament, but they should be in. Yeah. Now, for the, for the final four teams here, I'm, not, I'm just going to give you the spots where they are in the rankings. And I will let you kind of slot the four teams in. Okay. So the uh, <laughs> this is the look on your face. When I read this off. It's gonna Let's be see what we got. the next team after forty is at fourteen. Wow! Wow! Then thirteen. <laughs> then twelve. 
Oh, God. And then four. Okay. So where do you think the teams slot in? I'm going to say 14 is Villanova. All right. Do you want me to give you yes or no, or do you want to guess all four? And then... I'll do all four. I don't want to spoil right. myself. Um, the reason being is I love the roster, but um, is it worthy of being top three in the Big East yet? I don't know. We'll see. Uh, I, I don't think I could give them that claim quite yet. So we'll go Villanova at 14, at 13, UConn. Uh, if it is reflective of after today, so without Jackson Sonogo, I think that's probably the right spot to put them. 12, we'll go Creighton, and then four, I believe, was the last one, Marquette. Uh, you did not – who did you have for 12? Oh, boy. Uh, Creighton. Yeah, you did not get a single one of them correct. <laughs> well, it's a coin flip for all of them, genuinely. Yeah, it is, especially those first three. So the actual order – going to be Marquette at 14, Villanova at 13, UConn at 12, and Creighton at 4. Gut reactions too high on Creighton, too low on Marquette. Yeah, I think you could could move that one next to the digit from one one team to the other on that one. I think I'd have with – I think I would have UConn over Marquette right now with Newton back. Okay. Um, I think Sonogo matters more than uh, people see Klingon. They say, hey, that's a really, that's just as good of a center. Okay, awesome. Even if he was, um, having the both of them was so big for them last year because you were never not having an all star center on on the floor. Uh, They won't have that luxury next year. And I think that matters more than maybe people are seeing. I don't know. Yeah. That could be. Unless Dan Hurley really pulls something out here yeah. with the uh, the recruiting. Who do they have? Uh, Yusuf Singare next year as a three-star, 137. Unless he turns into another Klingon. So they they figure that out. Which he's a, They got another big boy coming in. He's seven feet tall. So okay. They're, never, they're, never know. Yeah, you know, you know what Dan Hurley is looking for in a center right there. Yeah. <laughs> he's got a type. Um, so where, we, where would you rank that top four? Uh, right now, are you saying like in the country or just in order? Just order, yeah. UConn, Marquette, Creighton, Nova. Okay. In that order, I don't feel great about it. I think Nova. I think it's definitively a top four now that Tyler Burton is at Villanova, and I think we mentioned before. But if I didn't, Hakeem Hart was technically in the NBA draft until today and declared that he will be coming back to college. So. Um, no, uh, he's not leaving because Burton came in, and I just ton of experience for Villanova. Like Justin Moore and Eric Dixon is one of the better one-five punches in the Big East, in the country, sure. and just yeah. everything else. Yeah, that team's fourth. Like that's <laughs> it's wild because I really I really like the other three teams. Yeah, uh, Villanova. It's a weird one where I, I don't know. I can't justify putting them top three right now. I think they have to be four for me, but. I wouldn't be surprised if they won it. I don't, I mean, they could yeah. be sweet. I don't know. Yeah. When I was really high on them last year and got burned, that was also because some of the depth didn't pan out the way I thought it was going to. And they just addressed all of that in the transfer portal. Sorry, Marquette, the metrics were always a little bit lower on Marquette 
than like the resume was last year. But there was a point where Marquette kept winning and the metrics stopped ticking up. And that was around the kind of back-to-back close wins to win the Big East kind of situation they had with the wins over Xavier and, and Creighton. And that's where they stopped ticking up. And I think they were in the teens going into the tournament last year or something like that, which isn't quite seed. It isn't quite best team in the Big East. And it's like, all right, if you take that and you swap out some guys and you assume like natural improvement, but also other teams are going to improve, it might be a team that just ends up in the teens in the metrics again, but with different outcomes in games that could land you fourth in the Big East and it wouldn't really shock me. It could be the same quality of team and quality of opponents goes up, luck gets a little bit worse and you, you, you just win less games because of it. Yeah. Legit, it's it's going to be super fascinating. I've never been more excited for a first place race in the Big East. I don't think ever. Um, it, it's going to be really fun, and I genuinely see four to five teams winning it. Which, yeah, it's it's great for the sport. It's great for the conference. Um, yeah, that'll be fun. And I think I think there are scenarios for the the three teams that we think are probably in the tournament here that aren't in the top four: Providence, Xavier, and St. John's there are scenarios where any of them can factor in to that first place race. Just, you know, things, things break all the way the right way for them. But nobody thought Marquette was doing this last year. So things break all the way the right way for them. Let's say for Xavier, they, they strike gold on the conference USA transfers yet again with Sean Miller. It's a team that could be as good as any with Fremantle and Hunter there manning the four spot. I, I really like, how that works out and if everything else they got some guys in there who are developing Cam Craft, Des Claude like all that comes together I see it a Rick Patino team finishing first I don't think would ever surprise me in any can for any reasons like that's just no, if it yeah. happens it's like oh well yeah he's still that good <laughs> and I think we talked about the Friars but the depth of that backcourt is just like all the guys live up to their potential, that backcourt is really, really, really good, especially with, with three and D guys. So we'll see how it plays out, but I'm so excited for next season. Yeah, it'll be great. Yeah, that was a fun little exercise. Um, yeah. It, had, it's truly really impossible to project is what I got out of this. Yes, and I suggested that too because I knew Creighton was fourth and I wanted to see a reaction. The, the whole thing was just to see a reaction when you find out that's where Creighton is in the projections right now. Like That's super <laughs> exciting and all, but... I mean, I don't, I don't know. And here, here's my problem, Matthew, is that everyone was super rah rah about Creighton last year before the season, and they were very good at their best. They were awesome, but were they ever a top three or four, or even two from John Rothstein team in the country, uh, even at their best? No, probably not. Um, I think the same things here. If you put him at three, you put him at four. I think it almost sets up a, a situation where it's it's nearly impossible, even at Creighton's best, that they meet meet that level. Um, they're going to be awesome, but that's I mean, man, that's t- that's a tough bar. Yeah, and it, it wouldn't surprise me to see four Big East teams in the top ten at some point next season. It also wouldn't shock me to have all four hang in the teens all season long and just kind of max out there. Beat each a lot of that's going to be yeah. a lot of that's going to depend on the non-conference. You'll get UConn last year. And, the way that they steamrolled through Phil Knight, plus with some good showings from other teams, set the tone for all of Big East to play and kind of set set what the rankings were going to be. So then when you beat UConn, it's this huge win, and that propels everybody else up. We'll see how that plays. Uh, we haven't had you on since Gavit Games, and I think Big East Big 12 got, got set. 
So before we go, do you have any thoughts on those? Any mashups you're really looking forward to in those? Um, Creighton, Iowa will be really fun. Uh, I don't know how many people from the Midwest uh, are listening to this or, or whatever, but that'll be a really fun game. Um, I like to beat up on Fran McCaffrey and my <laughs> private live sold for, for Creighton to do it uh, will be great. But um, no, I, I'm, I'm really excited for the whole event. That's such a great thing, and I hope it continues forever. It is awesome for the Big East. Um, uh, yeah, uh, I'm a big fan, and I'm very excited for it. Yeah, that'll be a great time. Second week of the season for the games. Big East Big 12 was what? And right end of November, first week of December, or something like that. The schedule is weird this year. It's like a Thursday through Tuesday. Yeah, I think I mean, they have it's a... the week after Feast Week, though. It starts the week after Feast. It starts like the Thursday after Feast Week, but then it wraps around the whole weekend. But I think the only, I think there's only one weird. Saturday game. It's like a Tuesday night triple header or something like that. I, I, it might be four games. I think it's actually four games on the Tuesday night to wrap it up. So it's not the way I would have scheduled it, but. Yeah. These are the cards we're dealt, so we'll get around to it. I think that's it for for tonight. I don't have anything else. You got anything? I don't. Um, yeah, thanks for having me on, and, and uh, yeah, go Jays. <laughs> thanks for coming on, Chris. Wild draft day here as uh, Biggie's roster is finally getting set, finally have a full picture. Thanks for coming on, Chris. I am Matt St. G. Make sure you go follow, follow the blog, follow us on Twitter, subscribe wherever you're listening to this, subscribe to that YouTube channel. Go, yeah, hit if you're watching, and you should be watching, you should definitely do that. Go follow Chris on Twitter. Follow me on Twitter. Definitely go do that. And uh, yeah, we'll be uh, we'll seeing you at some point in the near future. Thanks for watching.